Welcome to the Env Zero Cast, your one-stop shop for all things Env Zero, DevOps, and infrastructure as code. And now, here's your host, Tim Davis, DevOps advocate at Env Zero. Hello, hello, hello. This is episode three of the M Zero Cast. Uh, you know who I am now because of this lovely little intro. Um, lots of stuff going on with the company these days. Uh, our new SE Andrew Way starts on Tuesday of next week, which is fantastic. We're definitely looking forward to that. So uh, if you're a customer, you're getting engaged with uh, sales or anything like that, he's going to be your guy. Uh, looking for demos or anything like that, uh, definitely we'll make sure to uh, to put them to work. We have a lot coming up here. Um, that exact same day on the 4th, we are also gold sponsors for DevOps Days Seattle. So be sure to go and register for that. That is a free event that is virtual. Um, it's going to be a lot of awesome speakers, a lot of great sponsors and things going on. We will also be giving stuff away, so feel free to check by our Discord channel. And it's going to also be an even busier day because I am going to be speaking at the Minnesota Developers Conference, talking about, um, you know, infrastructure as code, automation, dynamic environments and things like that. So feel free to register and come check that out as well. Uh, Not a ton of updates other than that at this point. We're pretty much just going to jump right into an interview And this is going to be with Sean O'Dell of Acurix, who is a technology partner of ours. We're going to talk about security, excess code, and all kinds of things. So let's get right into that. All right. So that was a little bit on what we're doing with the company, what's going on, where you can find us and things like that. We are going to jump into an interview now. And I have with me a person who I've never met in my entire life. We have Sean O'Dell. Nope, wait, I'm sorry. The Sean O'Dell. Sean, how you doing? Uh, thanks, Tim. And uh, we have never met in person. <laughs> That's because you're uh, a couple of uh, miles away and the other side of uh, Texas. So, On the good side of Texas, uh, you mean. Glad to be here. Uh, <laughs> we won't get it. We won't get into that today. Let's let's talk important stuff. Obviously, we've met before. We worked together at VMware for several years. Um, you know, we are now at separate places around the in the industry. Today, we're going to be talking partner technology, and uh, we'll kind of get into how we are partners at this point in technology. Um, so, right now, who are you with, and what are you doing for them? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Tim. Uh, I am the uh, Director of Developer Advocacy at Acurix. And uh, this is really kind of a dream job. I put it out on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. Really the opportunity to lead DevRel and and partner with uh, developers uh, in the community is probably something I'm most excited about. But there's a twist. It's actually adding security into this entire picture. Uh, and really the goal at Acurix and specifically our open source project Terrascan is to is is really to make security a reality across infrastructure as code uh, and really in uh, in the pipeline. And so it's something I know I'm sure we'll get into this conversation. You and I in a previous life, we did kind of look at this entire picture, but for me, it's really coming together. So 
It's going to be fun. Well, that's awesome. I'm I'm interested to see. You mentioned open source. Is that going to be your focus there? Are you going to be focused on the monetized stuff? Uh, what is the company's focus on monetized versus open source community? Uh, what's the layout there? Yeah. So we, you know, my focus uh, is really on the open source side of things. Now, I do realize that, uh, and I think we all realize that at some point in time, a, an open source project will need some enterprise features and functions or, you know, some of the, you know, broader capabilities that maybe an open source project will never be able to do or, or not want to do. Um, and so Accurix does have a, um, have a commercial product uh, and, and there's a couple different variations of it. But really, at the end of the day, the, the basis of Accurix is Terrascan. And so everything we do commercially comes out of the Terrascan project. And that's interesting. Um, you know, there's a lot of companies out there that do commercial software. They do open source. Um, you know, you mentioned that all of your stuff kind of comes out of your open source. And, and ours is actually kind of the opposite. So we have TerraTag and we have that that's open source. You can go out there and look at that at terratag.io. Um, but really, that's just a small piece of our overall platform. We just decided to take the, you know, the tagging bit of our cost analysis and, you know, give it to the people because tagging for infrastructure as code is important. Mm -hmm. um, so it's always interesting to kind of see how companies these days are doing the split model where they're making money off some things, they're open sourcing others, you know, kind of what their mix is and how they decide to focus, you know, what and where. Um, that's something from like HashiCorp's perspective that we we see a lot is, you know, they've got Terraform open source, but then they've also got the commercialized and commoditized versions of Hashi, uh, Terraform Cloud and, you know, business and enterprise and what have you. Um, so it's cool to see that y'all are, you know, originally focused on the open source and then going the other direction. Um, but, go ahead. It, it, one thing to note on that, I think every organization uh, or every project or every commercial solution, right, it is absolutely okay to come from either direction. Uh, it really comes down to what makes best for, for the organization itself. And I think what's important is not necessarily the open source versus the commercialization piece. I think it's really about building the community uh, around it. And and I think what both M0 and Accurix are, are trying to do, and I know you and I in a previous life, we wanted to do this is every organization, every enterprise uses different tools across different parts of the organization. And sometimes they want to go commercial. Sometimes they want to go open source. Uh, and we also know that not every organization is a Netflix or a, you know, uh, hyper, you know, hyper intensive, uh, you know, cloud native scale company. Yeah, right? for sure. So having a, Having a mix of this is not a bad thing, and that's really what we're trying trying to do. I mean, it's it's definitely funny that we're where we are, you know, at these days, respectively, versus where we've come from. I mean, you know, we both worked at VMware, which is traditionally known as a giant monolithic software suite company. And when we, you know, got into the the cloud services group, you know, you obviously before me, um, it, it was just kind of looking at focusing on no longer doing these giant monolithic suite stacks where you buy 100% of a product, but you only use 10% of it. Uh, just focusing on only paying for and utilizing a specific tool or piece that you need, which in DevOps these days, uh, that's one of the beauties of it, is you don't have to buy one software stack that does everything for you because you're working so closely with developer and infrastructure and operations and everything. You can just piecemeal the best of everything together. 
smack it together with duct tape and bailing wire and you've got yourself a deployment mm -hmm. pipeline. Um, <laughs> so I, it, well, is it, is it that what we tried to do a couple of years ago? And, and, you know, the, the, the fun part about this, whether it's, it's our current roles or, you know, historical, the ability to, for, for you and I, who were both, I call myself a reformed infrastructure admin and architect, um, to, to really be focused on delivering, uh, value and solutions to the developer today, I think is, Super fantastic. And it just highlights our transition and, and working uh, to broaden our points of views and, and the impact that we have in an organization. Yeah, for so, sure. And I mean, I get that I, a I lot awesome. of like, you know, you look at your resume, you're an infrastructure guy. Why should I listen to you as a developer? Or, you know, just basically somebody asking, how did you get into application focused stuff when you were an infrastructure person? And I mean, my answer is always the same. And it's usually part of my pre-canned thing that I click myself on autopilot and go into when I'm presenting of like, my background is an infrastructure, be it uh, engineering or architecture or what have you. But from the very beginning, you're not just delivering infrastructure for the point of delivering infrastructure, you're delivering infrastructure to run the app that runs the business. So if, if you're just throwing tools at the wall, just because you think they're cool and not because it will help your application in some way, you're not really doing infrastructure or operations the right way. Um, now, sometimes it kind Absolutely. of works out, but it, it's always been about the application. So to finally be able to decouple from infrastructure and start focusing on the developer, on the application, but being able to deliver those infrastructure tools that do that, um, I, I think it was kind of a natural progression. Um, and, and that kind of ended up leading us from where we were, what we went through, and then, you know, where we're at today. Yes. And we, we, it's a, it's a, it's a drastic difference from back in the day. I, you know, I worked at a large fortune 250 company and the application teams, unfortunately saw me at a point in time as being a roadblock. <laughs> and I was, I was adding security features and functions <laughs> into their development, you know, life cycle. And, uh, in a lot of ways, it wasn't necessarily my fault. It might've been the, uh, um, the ITIL capabilities or, or requirements of the day. Oh God, flashbacks! But now, oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> but now we're 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 taking we're 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 changing this methodology a lot, and and the tooling that goes into it um, goes hand in hand with the people in process. And now instead of being a roadblock, I really want to want to make the life of a developer and, and an application owner, application team, along with the security team um, and the infrastructure folks. Just make their lives easier. And that's what this is all about. So it's a fun journey to be on. Absolutely. And I mean, this kind of brings us into, you know, the X as code type thing and, you know, kind of really where both of us are at and what we're doing. We do work at two very different companies that do very different things, but it all kind of falls into the same ecosystem. And it, it's trying to solve exactly what you were just talking about. But, you know, back in the day, you were kind of trying to shoehorn things into the infrastructure. The people in process may not have been lined up. They may have had their development and their deployment pipelines and CICD, you know, processes and tooling and what have you. Um, but the, the, tech wasn't necessarily there to bring it all together. Um, with infrastructure as code, with security as code, with policy as code, with budget as code and everything like that these days, it's kind of allowing a little more ease of transitioning that stuff in. And instead of trying to present the developers with a 
people process and tooling that they would have to kind of change their methodologies. We're now delivering the same kind of solutions within their methodologies because they were doing, you know, release automation and things like that before. We're Mm -hmm. just adding a couple of steps into the automation that do the stuff that we want to do without really getting in the way and hampering and hamstring what they're trying to do. Um, and, And X is a code or X as code these days, it's huge. There are so many companies out there that are doing that. Um, It's just interesting to see how big that's becoming and how people are finally starting to put it together and are able to deliver these without slowing people down, without ruining agility, without Mm -hmm. pissing off developers and stuff like that. (laughs) Well, uh, you forgot one X as code, uh, and this is a personal one. Um, the X's code of not uploading a coworker's keys, uh, AWS keys to GitHub. I legitimately talked about that um, on our webinar yesterday that I did. Um, I did not mention any names. I did not do anything. I was talking about open policy agent and making sure yep. that you don't commit or deploy something that is insecure <laughs> or bad before it happens. Um, and I absolutely mentioned that if anybody wants to go hear the reference, uh, you can find us on bright talk. I'll put the link in here. It's going to be common pitfalls of infrastructure as code and how to avoid them. Um, I, I will forever use the committing, uh, AWS keys to GitHub in for everything. I mean, it's just a hilarious story. The- the irony of that, by the way, so just just for the readers uh, or for the listeners, excuse me, I, Sean O'Dell, or the Sean O'Dell, as Tim referred to me earlier, uh, I was responsible for uploading one of our peers' uh, AWS keys uh, to GitHub. Uh, but a little bit of backstory, and this actually fits with this idea of access code. What we were trying to accomplish was taking an application uh, written in a couple of different languages. This was before the containers. Um, this was just purely uh, VMs in uh, an application sitting on top of EMs instead of EC2. cycle originally. Uh, yeah, this is the this is the fit cycle. And, and we had a, not even myself or the individuals whose AWS keys were uploaded <laughs> to GitHub by me, but another individual had hard-coded um, those keys into a full-on Jenkins pipeline that took, uh, that, that really went from uh, infrastructure as code to application delivery, really in the entire uh, pipeline. And I was given the raw directory with all of the data and structure in it. (laughs) And uh, I did upload it to GitHub and within minutes, uh, things happened. But the cool part was the goal behind that was, was, was putting everything into the pipeline. And so access code in that situation, this was years ago, right? That included the infrastructure, that included the application, and and really, we're now at the point where we're, we've added policy, um, probably because of me um, and other <laughs> issues and mistakes that we've made, right? But even even at Accurix, right? And I think it's the same for MZ or what you guys are trying to accomplish. You know, we're we're not only focusing on the infrastructure pieces, but then what does it look like at the end, right? Uh, whether it's Kubernetes usage or some of the other, you know, technologies that are in use today. Is, is really about simplifying that access code mentality um, and, and preventing mistakes because I am a human 
and I make mistakes. And it's also preventing them before they happen. So you want to shift everything left in the deployment pipeline. Because if you look at infrastructure as code and how it's deployed, obviously you do your init, you do your plan, you do your apply, which actually deploys it. And, you know, Bob's your uncle. If you pull all of these security checks in, you shift them left into the deployment process before you do that apply. If you have, you know, keys in there, if you have an open S3 bucket, if you are over budget, all of this kind of stuff can be figured out before that apply is done because you don't want to deploy it if you're over budget. You don't want to deploy something that's insecure. You want to make sure that you catch this stuff before it actually goes out. Uh, this is, I think, one of the beauties of M0 and how we do things. Uh, we we have what I like to call the uh, almost endless extensibility using our custom flows. Okay. So you drop that YAML file in there, you start writing bash code, and you can do whatever the heck you want. Now, the good thing about this is that if anybody from a customer standpoint or a user standpoint ever asks us, hey, do you support X, Y, or Z? The answer is yes. I can tell you right now we support it as long as you can pip install it or curl bash it into the container and run it. No problem. This also gives us the ability to say, yes, we support it without actually having to do the work of actually supporting it. <laughs> so we, we're not going through and trying to reinvent the wheel. Security and policy is code. There's already people like Accurix and everybody out there doing it. Why would we jump into that muddy space and start trying to do it better when we can just enable the extensibility to use whomever or whatever you want to do it? Absolutely. I think the, the, the fun part about this, and this goes back to even a little bit of our, our history, is we tried to do this, uh, you know, but but rather than shift left and at the time, it just wasn't, you know, the, the capabilities weren't there. But we did try and add, you know, security or policy in the pipeline or, you know, all of these additions, whether it's budget or performance, et cetera. The, the, the problem even with that is it was after instantiation, right? It, it had already been deployed. It was already wide open. And, 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 you know, we were doing some prevention, but it was typically too late. And so, you know, with M0 and, and you know, Accurix, our policy is code and the open policy agent. I think that the, the fun part is, and you, and you did this even before I did, right? You, you, you took a couple of, uh, of the uh, Terraform examples uh, from, you know, from within your, your, your example, your environment, and you actually ran Terrascan against it, and it would not, you know, actually provision because it failed policy. And that really is what it's all about. And, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an instantiation or an apply, uh, or excuse me, a plan, a knit, and then, and then obviously an apply. And every step of the way, we're adding in those valuable or key pieces. Um, and I think that's where every, open source project or commercial project, right? <laughs> we're trying to do this the right way now. Um, and we still got a long way to go, but we're, we're definitely making progress. Yeah, and it definitely seems like you, you are doing it the right way. Um, and I always love pointing certain things out in the tech industry where it is the right way. Um, like if you just think of like Apple versus, you know, uh, Android, a lot of people in Android, whenever Apple comes out with a feature, they all go, oh, Android had it two years ago. Well, yes, they did. But it's also a flaming pile of garbage. Apple may have did it second, but they did it right. <laughs> um, and I'm sure I'm going to get lit up all over social media for saying that. Um, but that's one thing that I, I mean, look, way, way, way back in the day, I was an Apple hater. I never would have bought an Apple product. I bought my first MacBook in 2008 because I thought the unibody look looked awesome. And I've been on the ecosystem ever since because it's true. Apple 
you can't customize it like crazy, but that's good because I'll tinker until I break it. But also, they I think they implement things, even if it's later in the game, they implement things correctly. Um, my air tags are going to show up in two days. Um, and I've always been a fan of the idea of tile, and they did it first, and they did it a long time ago. But I think Apple's implementation is going to be way better. What did uh, apparently you've been uh, reading my Twitter because I will also be getting air tags in two days. I will be picking them up because I do not uh, trust a certain delivery driver to get here until nine <laughs> o'clock at night. Yeah, but um, that's because I, I I live on the better side of the Metroplex. Uh, I'm setting up for a joke there, but I will not. Do it. <laughs> um, I'm not going to give you an opportunity, so I'm just going to keep talking. So the other thing is about that specifically. No no offense to Tile, right? Tile actually did what it was uh, capable of doing. And the, the thing is, you know, there's a lot of pipeline tools. There's a lot of historical, you know, app dev software development lifecycle methodologies that worked uh, for the time. Um, but just like Tile, they, they did what they could with what they had. And Apple, on the other hand, um, comes along and improves the technology, right? Adding the, uh, adding the you know, additional chip rather than just, you know, terrible Bluetooth. And mm-hmm. it's better not only because of the technology underneath it, but then the implementation, right? And so that's where infrastructure as code or X is code or policy as code continues to evolve. And we don't have to do it the same way we've done it just because we've done it the same way for history. For right? sure. And that's where a lot of the, the, the old school monolith, you know, I need a suite of tools that is a Swiss army knife that only does, you know, goes surface deep and barely, you know, kind of scratches the surface in a lot of ways. Yeah, not anymore. Let's use best of breed and bring it together. And that really is, isn't that what DevOps was supposed to do in the beginning? Yeah, exactly. I mean, hopefully we haven't lost sight of that. For sure. And I mean, that's not just for X as a code or anything like that. I mean, it's also like the word multi-cloud, which we all know is a big hot button these days. I mean, there are vendors out there telling you that multi-cloud does not exist and that it's a farce and that people are trying to get you to buy tools that do this or that. And man, is that really off, you know, off. I mean, in DevOps, it's all about using the best thing you can, stringing it together, bringing it together, being the most agile you can with the best tools you can, the best clouds you can. I mean, Amazon is good for if you need some tiny little tool that does one tiny little specific thing. Great. They have 70 million different you know services that you can use for that. If you need big data and all that other stuff, Google's great. If you are a Microsoft shop or use SQL like crazy, go to Azure. I mean, it's exactly right. Everybody's evolving. Everybody's doing different things. But being able to enable the ability to use whatever tooling you want to whatever degree you want and string it in and make a quick and painless process for everybody is the goal. I, I'm surprised you didn't bring up Oracle. Um, I'm, and I'm just kidding. I'm not supporting Oracle in that. It's fashion. funny. I actually, again, with the, our the, webinar the, yesterday, uh, I used the word Oracle and I never thought I would. I know it's uh, <laughs> t- times are changing, but you know what? If, if you're, if you're an Oracle shop Oracle cloud makes sense, right? If you, if you can't re-platform or uh, you, you, you don't have the time to re-platform, I get it, right? It's, it's a year's journey or multi-year process probably, uh, to get off of it. So might as well use Oracle cloud. Now the, 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 the key, um, you know, as we, as we have a little bit of fun with public cloud offerings and, and, you know, traditional or on-premises being VMware, um, 
all of those uh, infrastructure, you know, platforms themselves, those are just a part of the plan, right? They, they are not the end all be all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of times we lose focus on that. And I always go back to when, when I was on the infrastructure side and, and, and was uh, a bigot in a lot of ways. Um, I, I quickly realized the infrastructure isn't what matters. It's the application that runs on top. And so that's one of the things I hope we continue to, uh, you know, progress and not lose sight of is really, we just want to simplify the infrastructure, simplify the, the, the code, but at the same time, add the necessary governance or policy or security um, features that really are demanded um, rather than having a bunch of shadow IT that ultimately leads to me uploading my coworkers AWS <laughs> keys on GitHub, right? It, it, it comes back down to just a simple thing of having that visibility and, and putting it into the pipeline. And nobody likes to get yelled at. Nobody likes to have sev ones. Nobody likes to, you know, have their weekends screwed up. So it just makes sense from a deployment and process and procedure standpoint. I mean, there's a lot of developers, there's a lot of infrastructure folks, six admins and all that, that don't mind going out of their way now to be lazy later. That's exactly what this is. If you're doing security checks every time that pipeline runs, if you're doing performance checks every time that pipeline runs, if you're checking the budget every time that pipeline runs, then you're not going to be surprised at the end of the month when you get that cloud bill. You're not going to deploy something to production on Friday afternoon that can't handle a performance hit on Saturday and then you get a SEV1. I mean, it's just it's saving yourself headaches down the road. It's making sure everybody stays involved. Everybody, you know, is happy throughout the process. It's a little bit of a front load effort to make sure those tools are set up and working properly. And then no. you just go. It just follows your normal deployment, um, you know, process and procedures. You check your stuff into Git. It does its tests. If you need to deploy it to QA or staging, go ahead, do that. It's going to do all the checks before it does that. It, it just makes the most sense. And these days, if you're doing infrastructure as code, you've got uh, configuration management as code with your chef puppet Ansible. It only makes sense to do your security checks and your performance checks and everything else as code. Well, you you brought up Git, uh, and we yeah we've obviously alluded to this a few times, um, but the the mentality of GitOps kind of falls directly in line with this, and it it because we have a repository that is a system of record and version control, right? And now we have the ability to uh, you know use GitHub Actions or uh, you know tie in with a GitLab pipeline or Jenkins or whatever it may be. This this gets back to the developer or the um, or the or the or I'll just say the consumer or user of the pipeline as an example. They can actually see all of this information in a you know simple usable fashion, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's an issue that's automatically created or their PR, which you know has to go through a bunch of different action, you know GitHub actions or a bunch of checks. Right. They can see it within the PR that the reason that they failed was because they don't have, uh, you know, permission to uh, modify certain pieces of infrastructure for whatever reason. Maybe they just uh, maybe they're trying to make uh, changes to something that, that they don't have access to mm-hmm. or they try to make, uh, you know, S3 bucket changes, permissions that leave it wide open to the world because we all know those are still, you know, so simple and easy to use. Um, but no matter the, the 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 policy or the 
uh, or the use case, um, having all of that data in a central point that is where the developer lives most of their day is really easy. And it's really, uh, it comes really, you know, in handy and it helps them to have a little bit of free time or maybe get their weekend back. Right. Yeah, for um, sure. And, and we're speaking their language. I think that's the important and, and that's exactly why our VCS integrations are written the way they are. So, you know, when you integrate a VCS with M0, you can put whatever you want into the custom flows. You can do your policy checks. You can use TerraScan for your security checks. Um, we are able to do continuous deployment. So as soon as you commit, we're going to get that webhook. We're going to start the deployment again. We're going to run through. We'll do whatever checks you ask us to do. And we can do PR plans. So as soon as that plan is run, we'll update that PR with a comment. But then we also have the ability to do service checks. So for example, you mentioned when I made a little demo of doing TerraScan with an infrastructure as code deployment, the way that that was set up and because of how N0 is already set up, all I had to do is set the scan up inside of the pipeline. I didn't have to do any extra coding. I didn't have to configure anything any other way. And as soon as that service check failed, it sent a webhook back to GitHub saying, hey, this is a PR, this code is wrong, here's why. And it actually will yep. stop you from being able to merge back into main because a service check failed. You have to go through and then fix yep. it. Uh, and that's just yet another step of being able to use the tools that the developers are already doing while still keeping the guardrails in place, still keeping the, uh, you know, the watchful eye there so that it prevents misconfigurations, security issues, and everything before it even happens. Well, I, I would love for us to get to the point where we could take that same exact scenario and whether it's a, a, a security failure or, a, you know, a, or it's going to be a, a policy failure from a security perspective or a budgeting uh, constraint, I would love for that pipeline not only to highlight that, hey, this is why it failed and this is, you know, the, 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 the very specific reason it failed, but I would love for developers to get to the point where they let the system or the intelligence of the system automatically make the change for them which then gets into an entirely different story where that pipeline becomes self-healing. Uh, and I'm not a huge fan of the term self-healing. That's just kind of what the industry goes with. But if, if I could identify a policy uh, failure, make the change to the code or the infrastructure's code, and in, in say in this example, and then automatically update the PR and rerun the checks again, and I get a pass, and then it actually commits, that would be, to me... The, uh, the the you know utopia, uh, but unfortunately, I think we as humans are a little concerned with machines doing that. <laughs> uh, I don't know why, but that's something I would love for us to be able to get to. It's just it's just going to take some time and and learning to get there. So not only policy as code, not only security as code, but remediation as code. Oh, I like it. Yeah. That sounds fun. Mm. I would be interested to to see that. Um, but in the meantime, really, you know, what we've got that we know works really well is just doing those checks, involving it in the pipeline, making yep. sure that you fix issues before they're deployed so that you don't get yelled at later. Um, it, <laughs> By your coworker named Dan. Sorry, Dan. I still apologize for that. Shout one. out to Dan. <laughs> well, awesome. <laughs> uh, we are coming up on a half hour, which is a, a pretty good stopping point. We've gotten through everything. Uh, we will absolutely have more episodes and more things 
we will be doing a blog and a webinar at some point here together. Uh, I believe we will also be writing some call for papers stuff to submit. So we may be around talking about this very thing at some point. Uh, appreciate you coming on, talking about it. Looking forward to uh, all the other cool stuff we're going to do. Absolutely, Tim. And uh, thanks for the opportunity. And and really, this is a, a, a fantastic time to be uh, working with developers in, uh, in, in helping uh, developers. And so I'm, I'm excited about it. And I'm sorry for the world if you have to deal with Sean and Tim <laughs> at some point in time, either in person, online, uh, or you could always just go follow us on Twitter and you, you would already be like, wow. Go, I can't go ahead and drop the socials. Plug whatever you need to plug. All right. Uh, so, so for me, I'll go, I'll, I'll be uh, selfish. Sean Odell, um, uh, at, on Twitter at the Sean Odell. Yes, you did hear that right. The Sean Odell. Uh, if you want to take a look at Accurix, it's Accurix sec. Uh, that's short for security. Can you spell that just so people um, don't get confused? And, we'll also put it in the show notes. Well, a C. Yeah. Uh, can I do it in, uh, here I'll do it in the phonetic alphabet, uh, alpha, Charlie, Charlie, uniform, Roger, Indigo, Charlie, Sierra, Sierra, Echo, Charlie. Boom. Got it. <laughs> Accurix sec. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I totally used the right words, but I got it close. Um, and then go check out Terrascan. Terrascan is our open source project that I'm focusing on. We're going to be building a website, uh, doing a bunch of different community stuff. Writing with Tim and the M0 team is going to be fun. Presenting webinars. We're going to start doing office hours. Call me crazy, but we're going to be doing that. And uh, I really, uh, I'm really excited, man. This is a good opportunity to work together to uh, to 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 improve the lives of our developer friends. Excellent. Looking forward to it. Till next time. All right, that was an excellent interview. I want to thank Sean again for coming on and talking. You can uh, definitely be sure to uh, keep an eye out for some content that we've got coming up. Uh, we'll be submitting for a call for papers and uh, blogs, webinars, and all kinds of cool stuff. Um, and this is just going to be one of many different technology partners that we're going to be working with. Uh, with M0, we have the ability with our custom flows to string in all kinds of different tools. If you have any specific tools, technology, or anything like that that you'd like us to create a demo of or to work with to tell you if it's possible, which most likely it is, or how it's possible, please feel free to reach out, get to us on Twitter, or email, or anything like that. Uh, we will be glad to, uh, to help you be successful in stringing these tools into the deployment process. And uh, be sure to subscribe here to the podcast for all of the latest updates and things like that. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at ENVZERO. Check us out on YouTube, where you can also find versions of this podcast, as well as all of our other videos. And uh, thanks for listening. Have a great day. This has been another episode of the EnvZeroCast. Be sure to like and subscribe to our social channels and get all the latest episodes and updates.